0: morning, you know, I forgot to ask my question that I've been asking for, oh, 17 years now. Uh, Have you talked to the Father today? I just forgot. Johnny Pope told me one time, he said, Brother Beckham, when you ask that question, it's like a surgeon's knife just going into your heart. And I said, well, I don't mean for it to be that way, but uh, I guess... If you're not praying, I guess it does cut at you, amen. But I hope you have talked to the Lord today. If you haven't, shame on you. And I say that with love in my heart, but because God's so good to us, isn't he? And uh, he blesses us, wakes us up every morning, gives us food to eat, clothes to wear, a job to go to, a car or truck to take us to that job just just tons of things that we should say thank you, Father, amen, amen. thank you for waking me up, amen. yeah, I thanked him all day today for the opportunity to be at Calvary Baptist Church, and you're so friendly and uh, you have really made me feel right at home I had Perfect liberty this morning. Perfect liberty, freedom. I was like a little bird just flying around. Amen. I, I felt good, and uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, very wonderful message. It's very true, you know. It's natural for us to be, want to pray, and if it's not natural, you better be checking up. Amen. And so tonight I would like to call your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. Preaching on this subject tonight, the greatest sin in the Bible. The greatest sin in the Bible. If I would take time tonight to ask you, like I do in some churches We won't do it here. But some churches, I ask people to list some great sins that they might know of. And uh, I have heard witchcraft. I have heard uh, uh, demonology. I have heard uh, adultery, fornication. I have heard anger and wrath and, and clamor and all of those sins. But if they have never heard me preach, they never named this sin. I have never heard it named in any church that I've been preaching in in 17 years of doing prayer revivals. And in 50 years of preaching, I have only heard a few messages on this subject. And and as as a sin, so let me go ahead and tell you what this terrible sin uh, the greatest sin in the Bible is his prayerlessness. His prayerlessness. And a lot of people doesn't count not praying a sin. Uh, they think it's just I'm too busy. I'm, uh, I'm sick. I, I, I just don't have time. Uh, and, and so they, they, they cop out uh, of, 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 the, of the privilege of talking to the Heavenly Father. Amen. And so that's, that's where we're at. Let's stand tonight and let me read our text. And then I'm going to read a quote from, from Dr. John R. Rice, a great, great preacher, a great evangelist, a great author, just, and the founder of the Sword the Lord paper. And I'm going to read you an article tonight, just a couple paragraphs of what he has to say or what he had to say back many years ago. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, the Bible says, God forbid. Now, not Brother Beckham, not Brother Hooker, not not a a deacon board, not a set of bylaws or creeds, uh, but God. I want you to underline that in your Bible, (coughs) and God forbid that I And and instead of putting Samuel's name there, I put Benny's name there, Benny Lee Beckham. God forbid that Benny Lee Beckham should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, for you. We are commanded in the Bible to pray for all saints, aren't we? And, And so God is saying, Brother Beckham, Benny Lee Beckham, listen... Listen, I forbid you that you forget to pray for the brethren. Forget to pray for the lost. Get to pray for the wayward and the lonely and the sick. I forbid you to do that because you're one of my children and I want you to carry out this command, pray without ceasing. And that's not just an option. That little little exhortation there, pray without... That's a duty. That's a duty for every child of God in this room. And and pray always. That's a duty. And, And pray everywhere. That's a duty. And pray and not faint. That's a duty. But are we doing it? Ask yourself, am I praying and am I doing it like the Bible says I should do it? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this privilege that I have to stand behind this podium where a great man of God stands from week to week. And Lord, I thank you for the honor of being able to do so. And Lord, I want, as I pray every night of my life, in front of some group of people, my brothers and my sisters across this great land and out of this country. Lord, I ask you to help me to be a blessing. Help me, Lord, to be sensitive to their needs. Help me, Lord, not to be guilty of just standing and proclaiming some, some generalized message, but help me to apply it as I preach it. And Lord, I pray for the lost tonight that they will be born again use me again this this evening lord i sure want to bring glory to you and honor to you thank you thank you so much thank you in jesus name amen you may be seated John R. Rice, in his book Asking and Receiving, Amen. said of itself, now listen to this great quote of itself, perilousness is, I have no doubt, worse than murder, worse than adultery, worse than blasphemy. It is more fundamental, it more clearly reveals the heart. The great evangelist continues, In fact, while murder, adultery, and blasphemy may catch a person unaware, trout by the carnal mind, prayerlessness is the very heart of the carnal mind itself. And then he goes on to say, My greatest sins and yours is prayerlessness. My failures are all prayer failures. And I'll say amen. The lack of soul saved in my ministry is Primarily because, the, because of the lack of prayer, not because of the lack of preaching. We can't even have a weenie roast without having preaching. But we can have worship services without prayer. And we can have going out soul winning without prayer and those things. Ask yourself right now before I finish the quote, Have I prayed today? How much have I talked to the Father this week? Just be honest with yourself. And you'll see that Dr. Rice is true here. And then he says, the withering away of joy in my heart sometimes is the fruit of prayerlessness. My indecisions, my lack of wisdom, my lack of guidance comes directly out of my prayerlessness. And I have to say, church, amen and amen and amen. The guy knew what he was talking about. Preached for some 70 years, I think. And he knew, he knew what he was talking about. And you're looking at a man tonight that is reading to you from the word of God and from a quote from a great preacher. And I too know what I'm talking about. I've been on the other end. And I know, I know what prayerlessness will do to you. I know, I know the joy it will yank out of your, out of your heart. I know the blessings that it will take away from you. I know all of that firsthand. You know why? Because I'm guilty. As the pastor was talking, I, I very busy. But being busy doesn't mean you're spiritual. Uh, being in the pulpit and preaching doesn't make you spiritual, preacher. Uh, sitting in a pew with a King James Bible in your lap and separated in your uh, in your clothing that doesn't make you spiritual. What makes you spiritual is your relationship with God and the way you walk with God and the way you talk with God and the way you listen to God. That makes you spiritual. Amen. Let's look at point one tonight. Prayerlessness is a sin of negligence. As a Christian, we know that prayer is right. How many of you will say, Brother Beckham, I know prayer is right. If I couldn't have put both feet up in the air, amen. I, I know that prayer is right. There is no doubt in my mind it is the right thing to do. But look in James chapter 4 and verse 17. Uh, this is a powerful verse. This is a verse that slapped me in the heart one day. Because I kept saying, I know it's right, I know it's right, I know it's right. I know it's right to pray, I know it's right to pray, I should pray. I do love the Father, I should talk to Him more. And I kept trying to, trying to convince myself. But all the time, I knew it was right. Now listen, James 4, 17 is a convicting verse. Oh my, get ready. Get ready. This is convicting. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him. That's us. For therefore to him that knoweth to do good, you raised your hand. You have said, you have you have said tonight, I know it's good to pray. Now listen, and doeth it not. To him, It is sin. And Andrew Murray wrote many years ago, The sin of prayerlessness is a proof that the life of God in the soul is in deadly sickness and weakness. And as I travel around this country and out of this country, I'm in front of some church every almost every night of my life, uh, in a different state, in a different church, almost every night of my life for 51, 52 weeks. And let me tell you something. I see a lot of sick churches, I see a lot of weak churches. And it's not because of their intellectual abilities. It's not that they don't have that. It's because they don't have the blessing in the hand of God upon their ministry because they don't talk to Him. Amen. Their church is not a house of prayer. It's a house of whatever, a house of separation. Uh, Some churches, prides, look at our church. We have standards, but are you a praying church? Uh, When was the last time that you prayed? Look at us. We are soul winners. Church, Look at us, we are a bus ministry church. Look at our preacher, he's a, one of the best preachers in the nation. But my question is, are you a praying church? Are you a church that, that prays and, and, and seeks God's will in your lives? That's what, God, that's what God is talking about here, amen? And so prayerlessness is a sin of negligence. Oh, are you praying church? Are you praying? I'm looking at you. I'm watching you. I'm watching your body language. I'm watching your countenance. Uh, are, 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 you, are you guilty of this sin? Are you uh, guilty of negligence? Are you guilty? You say, preacher, I am. I'm under so much conviction right now. I don't know if I can hear all the messages. Well, just, just, just get right with God right now and you'll be okay. Amen. But if you sit there the whole three hours of this message, oh my soul, you're going to be in a mess. All right. You got that, didn't you? You caught that wham. Okay, prayerlessness is a sin of negligence. Prayerlessness is a sin against our fellow man. The Bible is clear about praying for many different groups of people. And the first one we are to pray for, church, and you better listen, we are to pray for our leaders. Amen? For our leaders in our country, I said to a group of preachers that was that was complaining about our 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 politicians the other day. I said, guys, listen to me. If we would quit complaining and start interceding, we might we might make a change up there at the White House. Amen. Well, we uh, because uh, complaining about them is not going to change nothing, but praying for them and. And asking God to change their heart, and if they are not saved, to save them. That would change the whole picture. Amen. And so, well, um, some of them kind of poked out their lips at me and pouted a little bit, but they'll get over that. Amen. Preachers sometimes puzzles me. Now, I can talk about preachers because i i I, I, I are one. Amen. All right. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. The Bible, we are to pray for our leaders. Can I get a good amen right there? Uh, we are to pray for our leaders. We are to pray for our leaders. Now listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, I exhort therefore. I encourage you. I, I, I beg of you please. I uh, I want you to listen, I exhort you, that first of all, now I want you to underline first of all, I want you to maybe put a circle around first of all, I want you to highlight first of all, you may even have to borrow your wife's lipstick, but, but highlight it, okay? And, 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 and po- uh, point it out there. Uh, you say, well, well, Brother Beckham, first of all, is not important. That's that's not important. I had I had a a group of, of preachers again to tell me that that's not significant. And Brother Williams, I said, listen, guys, if if that's not significant, hand me your Bible. Let me let me let's just pile up all the Bibles outside and burn the things. If we have a book that has insignificant words in it. If, it, if we have a book with insignificant words, then we don't have the Word of God. And let's burn the thing and then go ahead and live for the devil. Amen? Yeah. But I got news for you. I don't have a book that has insignificant words in it. I, every word in this Bible is important. Amen? Every word in this Bible is important. And first of all, is important. And you say, well, what, what is the meaning of first of all? Well, I'm not a Greek scholar. I took a little bit of Greek. And, 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 and I know one that uh, owns a pizza store down on the corner. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know a lot of Greek and a lot about it. But I'll tell you one thing. So when I don't know something, I go to the authorities. I go to the experts. I go to the people that does and so in my in my travels, I go into all these Bible colleges that has these Greek professors and, and they have studied Greek for four, five, six, seven, eight years, some of them. And and so I have asked every one of them, sir. What does first of all mean in First, first Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1? Oh, let me look at it. They look at it. One man wrote me nine pages, nine pages. Oh, I wanted to know what first of all meant. I didn't want a commentary uh, that took me an hour to read and two hours actually because it had all this Greek stuff in it. And I, and I called him up. I said, can't you just say it means first of all? That's all I wanted to know. I didn't want to know all this other stuff. This law and that law. And I'm oh boy. So he said this. He said, first of all, Brother Beckham, means of supreme importance. Now, if if prayer is supreme importance, why don't we hear more of it in our Bible colleges? How don't, why, don't we, why don't we hear more of it from the pulpits of America? Why don't we make it the supreme teaching of our pulpits, if it is? And I have asked one after another, and every one of them says, Brother Beckham, it means supreme importance. Mm. Boy, I went to six Bible colleges, and not one of them taught me the importance of prayer. Not one of them taught me the importance of prayer. All oh, we stood up when the professor came into the classroom and we had some little prayer. But as far as teaching Benny Lee Beckham that, that without prayer, without a relationship with God, I could not have the power of God upon my preaching, upon my soul winning, upon my separation, upon my dedication to God. Without prayer, I couldn't do one thing. I was never taught that. Oh, no. Oh, no. And when Diane started to die with cancer, that's when I began to learn what prayer was all about. For two and a half years, God had me on the other side of the desert teaching me what prayer was all about. And all it is simply is a relationship with the Lord. That's all it is. Just a walking, talking relationship with God. I mean, every day. Uh, when it says, pray without ceasing, it means that just every minute of the day, just walking along, talking to the Lord. Amen? Ah. Oh. Oh, get a hold of this. And then let me go ahead and read this rest of this verse to you. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, what is first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. In other words, prayer is of the supreme importance. We are to pray for our leaders, we are to pray for our president. Uh, One lady told me the other night, I don't like him. I will never like him. And, Brother Beckham, I am not going to pray for him. I said, go ahead and be backslidden. Just go ahead and and disobey the Word of God. And you're going to lose out, dear sister. You're going to lose out. And uh, she said, "What? I just can't see me praying for the guy. I said, well... Pray for his position. If you can't pray for him by name, pray for his position. Amen? At least you can do that, can't you? She said, and walked off. Well, okay. Good night. Bye bye. Oh. Baptist people bothers me, they make my little head hurt. Baptists. Amen. They do. (laughs) And then, secondly, we are not only to pray for our leaders, but we are to pray for the unsaved. I just, back in the 60s when God saved Brother Benny, let me tell you something. People back then, we had towel on the floor in my home church. And I can remember deacons and Sunday school teachers and lay people coming to our altar and they would shed tears for their loved ones and you could actually see the wetness on the tiles. But not anymore. Not anymore. We have carpet. We are comfortable. We are at ease to the point that we don't even care if they go to hell. You say, but I do, preacher, I pray for my loved ones. How do you pray for your loved ones? How do you pray? I saw the other night a church run down to the altar, and they were praying. And I was walking around and I was literally trying to listen to some of them that was praying out loud. And they were saying, Pastor Hooker, they were saying, God save so and so and save so and so. And, and, and I thought, there is no urgency. All they are saying is, save Uncle Jack, save Aunt Susie. Where is the urgency there if Uncle Jack and Aunt Susie was in a burning house? You wouldn't just stand in the yard and say, well, I hope they'll get out soon. I sure hope they realize the house is on fire. You wouldn't do that. You would be banging on the door. You would be kicking the door in. You would be trying to get to Uncle Jack and Aunt Susie, wouldn't you? But, but we do this shadow, uh, shallow pr- uh, praying. God, save Uncle Jack. Where in the world is the er- urgency of that? What we should be praying is, uh, God, Uncle Jack could die right now. He could have a heart attack. He could have an aneurysm uh, the, the burst in his stomach or in his body somewhere. He could die within seconds. Oh, God, save Jack right now if we really believed in hell, and if we really believed in death, like the Bible talks about death, that's the way we would be praying. That's the way we should be praying in our churches. We should be praying with urgency. You say, do you pray that way, Brother Peckham? I'm learning. Oh, I ask God to forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm just preaching it. Help me to practice it. Amen? Yeah. Yes, sir. Have you ever seen a lost man die? I have. It's not pretty. It's not a pretty sight. But I have seen the saints of God uh, die too. And boy, they have the prettiest smile on their face. But I have seen the lost man die. And he looked as if he saw Satan himself. We need to get a picture of that sadness. We need to get a picture of what hell is really like. And we need to pray tonight for the lost Of this community Look in Romans chapter 10 And verse 9 The apostle Paul One of the greatest Christians that ever lived Said brethren My heart's desire And prayer to God For Israel is That they might be saved And then in John chapter 17 The high priestly prayer The Lord's prayer The real Lord's prayer Amen Uh, He prayed in verse 20 or 20 1 of John 17 uh, Jesus prayed that those that shall believe should be saved so church look up here I love you from the bottom of my heart Jesus loves you and he wants you to get a hold of this he wants all of us to, to get a hold of this he said it is Prayers of the supreme importance. In Second Timothy, um, chapter two, verse one through eight, is talking about praying for the lost. So here we have eight verses telling us to pray for the lost. We have an example of Paul praying for the lost. We have an example of our Savior praying for the lost. Now my question to you tonight, from my heart to your heart, When was the last time with urgency that you have actually got on your knees and prayed for someone to be born again? When was the last time? You know how you're going to fill up these pews? Uh, By having urgency in your heart and going out into the highways and hedges and, and witness with a burden with urgency in it. And oh my, this place will begin to fill up. Amen? Where where are you at tonight? Where are you at? Are you praying? Are you praying for the lost? And then thirdly, we should pray for other believers. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 through 19. Uh, Go into a lot of good churches. I I, I preach in some of the best churches in all the world. Now look up here. I, I go into some. And some of them, this side won't speak to this side. This side won't speak to that side. And none of the three will speak to the men on the platform. Boy, it is a mess. And I'm thinking, what in the world's wrong? And, and, and the Holy Spirit said, Brother Beckham, the problem is the saints are not praying for the saints. Uh, they, they're doing everything but praying for one another. And and so you want a good church? You want a church that God will bless? Well, just start praying by name, everybody in your church. Get Ask your preacher uh, to give you the list of the membership and every day you pray earnestly and lovingly for every member of the church and you'll see your attitude change just like that. And if you have a grudge, you won't have one anymore. And if you don't like somebody or something they're doing, uh, it will all be okay, amen? Because you're praying for them. Yeah, Yes, sir. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, there are many examples in the Bible about praying for the saints, but here's one I like. I really love this one. Many times when I write a message to a preacher or, or in a mission room, I'll leave this prayer written out in the book. This is a wonderful prayer for the saints of God. Paul prayed this prayer that God... That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, give unto me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Oh, my soul, if we could just get a vision and and knowledge of Christ in our hearts, it would change us. Amen. Amen. Oh, my soul. And then he says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Boy, you get some old hard head Baptist that, that's half backslidden against God. They, they, don't want to, they don't even want to be in church, but they come anyway. And, and you start praying, God, open their eyes, give them understanding, give them enlightenment. And all of a sudden you see them change. Amen. Yes, sir. I, I, I love it when I pray for someone and God does it right before me. Oh, boy, I like that. And then it says that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the works of His mighty power? I pray this prayer for people all over this nation and out of this, and all over Canada. I pray this prayer. One pastor called me last week, and, and a, just a young man, I want you to pray. I can't give you his name, but just pray for the young preacher, okay, that Brother Beckham told you about. He he called me. I was going to be with him today uh, throughout the week. And he had to cancel because, because of problems in his church. And and he called me and he was all broken up. And and, and, and listen, I, I'm sorry. I, I I just lose it sometimes. Amen. And no, I'm not sorry. I, I I'm glad I can cry. I'm glad I can uh, show my feelings for. But this young preacher called me, and he said, "Brother Beckham, 95 percent of my church have voted on Sunday night uh, not to be Independent Baptists no more. And sir, you can't come to our church. Oh, my soul! I thought if they would only had prayed." if they would have only had loved one another, amen, amen and interceded for one then they would still be together. And then he called me again and he said, Brother Beckham, it's it's 100%. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, Son, I know what you need to do. Pray. You just pray. You get your little wife together and you get your children together, and you get around a coffee table or your bed or your kitchen table and you hold, your, you hold your family's hands and you pray. Don't you get bitter at those people because they have hurt you and they have hurt your family and you don't have a house to live in. You don't have no money coming in. And son, just pray. Don't get bitter. Amen. And you know, so far, as far as I know, he's not bitter. And, and and he is praying, but church, listen. You say that would never happen at Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, if you quit praying, it it might. That's Amen. Right. If you're not praying for one another, if you're not uh, loving one another, and, and being concerned about one another, and forbearing one another, and all the thing, and forgiving one another, now, if you don't do those things, it could be possible. You could be a statistic before the week is out. So God said, pray for the lost. Pray for one another. When was last time you on this side prayed for a member of this church? When was last time? Center section, when was last time that you actually prayed for somebody in your church? This side. When was last time you prayed for the men on the platform? When was last time you prayed for missionaries? Uh, when was last time that you prayed for a lost person that you know is going to hell if he dies? When was last time you want revival? How many of you want real revival? Listen, you got to follow this. You got to obey the message. You say, well, what if I don't? What if, Brother Beckham, what if I just said, nope, I'm not going to do it? I know, Brother Beckham, he, he acts like he loves us. He's preaching the truth. We can't deny that. But, but, Brother Beckham, we like you. We wasn't sure if we would, but we do. And, But we're not going to do what you say. We're going to just let it go in here, out of here. Well... Okay. Is that the way it's going to be? You say, yep. Okay. Let me just share a couple more things with you. If that's what you're going to do, then you're going to lose your joy. That's the results of this sin of prayerlessness. Uh, But what you need to do before you lose it Or if you have already lost it, you need to do what David did, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Just get along with God somewhere and ask God to give the joy back to you. Amen? Listen, church, look up here. I'm not a super-duper. I'm not a big-shot preacher. Uh, I'm uh, I'm, I'm just not. Listen, I'm just a nobody. But let me tell you something. I lost my joy one time. Yeah. Not you, Brother Beckham. Not, not the prayer guy. No, surely not. Yeah. It can happen to all of us. And I lost my joy. And I had to go back where I lost it. And I had to ask God for it. And he gave it back to me. And I am so happy tonight. That's the reason why I can smile at you. And that's the reason why I can put my hands up in the air. And that's the reason why I can take a lap around the building if I wanted to. Because I got my joy back. Amen. Some of you look so sad. You, do you need a lollipop? I preach a message on the dum-dum message. And what I do, I pass out the little dum-dums. I have passed out as many as 600 in one service. And as long as they were sucking that little dum-dum, they were happy. The sweetness was going down. And boy, they was happy. But it don't last long. It's only about that big. And as they were sucking that, they, then everybody in the church was smiling. And then the sweetness left. And, and that's the way, hey, that's the way it is when you're not doing what God tells you about this thing of praying. You lose your joy. Yeah. So you have to ask God to restore it. I love you. You love me? Okay, two of you do. That's good. Amen. And then not only do you lose your joy, but you lose your peace. I hear people say, Brother Hooker, I hear people say, Brother brother uh, Beckham, uh, that preacher that God put in our church, ter- he has just taken my peace away. I've heard him say, um, that sister over there, if it wasn't for her, I would have peace. That guy over there, man, if he would leave, I would have peace. Not. If you don't have peace, look up here. If you don't have peace, according to Colossians 3 15, the Bible says, let the peace of God ruin your heart. Let the peace. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. And if I don't have the peace of God, it's not these guys' fault. It's not your fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's not my children's fault. It's not my grandchildren's fault. It's not my preacher buddy's fault. It's Biddy Lee Beckham's fault. Because I choose to not let the peace of God ruin my heart. Amen. So we lose our peace if you don't have the peace of God tonight. Why don't you find your area down here at the altar? Or just bow your head there in the pew and say, God, I want my peace back. And guess what? He'll give it back to you like that. Amen. And then not only do you lose your joy, you lose your peace, but you lose the blessings of God. (laughs) And, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to. I, I enjoy the blessings of God. Amen. I enjoy. I don't like the cursing of God, but I love the blessings of God. This morning, my heart was blessed. My heart. I don't know if you knew it, Brother Williams, but one of your sons walked up to me, put a little money in my hand. A missionary son they don't have a lot of money evangelists don't either <laughs> so I thank God for the money, but I gave it to someone else about that. we just give it just keep it a going amen and and so this morning I needed a blessing I needed to to be Pepped up a little bit. You said, no, we thought you were uh, hooked into a 440 this morning. Oh, you don't know sometimes. My heart was a little down. because I'm missing my honey pie, amen? Yeah. And, and she's not with me, and I'm missing her, and I was a little down. And, and this young man, missionary, son, said, Brother Beckham, who want to give you this? He worked for it. He worked hard for it. And I wanted to say, no, son, you can keep it. And God said, no, I'm going to give him a bigger blessing because he's helping you. And then tonight, I bless one of you with that $10 bill. Amen. Yes. And so I don't want to lose that. I really don't. I don't want to lose my burden to read my Bible. I don't want to lose my burden to go out door knocking and win people to Christ. But if I if I let that sin of prayerlessness take root in my heart, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really let God down. He's never let me down. He never. Some of my friends told me he did. Brother Beckham, we know you believe in prayers, but God didn't answer your prayer. You asked God to, to heal Diane, and God didn't heal her. I said, oh, but he did. I said so this morning, didn't I? Yeah. I, I, I let people know God answered my prayer. She doesn't have cancer in the breast no more. She doesn't have cancer in the head anymore, in the brain. She's completely healed. And she's up there more likely. Whatever they do up there, she's doing it. Amen. Uh, that's the best way to be biblical, just say whatever they do, they, that's what they do. That's what she's doing. Amen. Amen. Now, church, the sin of prayerlessness, is it in your life? You say, yes, preacher, it is. Would you please get it out where you can be a blessing to your church, where you can start praying, amen. A lot of people out there, Memphis is a big place. I was here 40 years ago. I I rode through Memphis 40 years ago. Hadn't been back in 40 years. And someone said, just go downtown and... And we really changed, and I'm looking forward to that. But let me, let me tell you, if this sin of prayerlessness is in your life, you can't reach them. Let's have a revival. Let's start tonight getting things out and put things in and, 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 and where God can bless us, right? Amen? Let's not just have a meeting. I'm so tired of meetings. We can have a meeting anywhere, but I want to see real, real revival. Amen. I would love to see it go a year or two. Amen. All right. mm, yeah, but God can do it, but he can't do it if we're guilty of this terrible sin. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for.